Hey y'all, Ohio Crime Mom here, and welcome to my very first episode. I can't thank you all enough for joining this crazy journey with me. So for today's case, we are going back into the 90s. Today we will be covering John Benet Ramsey. So let's learn a little about the family. John and Patsy Ramsey had two children, Burke who was nine and John Benet who was six. Patsy was a former beauty queen and a stay-at-home mom, while John worked for a company named Access Graphics. The Ramseys lived in Boulder, Colorado in a 15-bedroom mansion. John Bonet had followed in her mother's shoes and was a pageant queen herself. She won her first pageant at age four and would go on to win four more titles by age six. Her last title was won on December 17th of 1996, and she was crowned Colorado's Little Miss December. She won this title just nine days before this crime took place. On Christmas Day in 1996, the Ramseys attended a Christmas party at Fleet and Priscilla White's home. According to both John and Patsy, John Bonet had fell asleep on the ride home. When they arrived back to the home, John carried John Bonet upstairs and Patsy changed her and they all went to bed. A little before 6 a.m., Patsy arose to begin the day. The Ramseys were leaving for a vacation and she had to make sure that everything was ready. Patsy started down the spiral staircase after redressing in her clothes from the day before. When she reached the bottom landing, she was greeted with a three-page long ransom note for John Bonet. She checked John Bonet's room and seen she was gone, and then she ran to wake up John. At this point, I am going to read the ransom note for you. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do respect your businesses, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see her in 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw 118000 from your account. 100000 will be in $100 bills, and make the remaining 18000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size cachet, or a sh- I can't ever say this word right, sorry, attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to get to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I'd advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if they are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny, as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You're not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. 
SBTC. At 5.52, the famous 911 call went out. After Patsy hung up, she then called multiple friends who rushed to comfort her during all of this. Burke stayed sleeping in his room. Around 6 a.m., Officer French is the first on the scene. A second officer arrives shortly after, and they perform a search of the home. Burke then wakes up and is taken to Fleet and Priscilla White's home. At around 10 a.m., an officer noticed that John and Patsy had not seemed concerned that the kidnappers had not called on time for the ransom, which they noted was strange. The ransom was for 118000 which was the exact same amount of John's Christmas bonus that year. Around 1 p.m. is when Detective Linda Arndt arrives. She was suspicious of the family almost instantly. (laughs) Sorry for all the mess-ups. This is also my first episode, so hopefully we'll get better at this. One of the officers suggested that John and Fleet check the house again. Instead of going from the top to the bottom, John suggested that they should start in the basement. John checked the room they called the wine cellar first. There, lying on the floor, wrapped in a blanket, was little John Bonet Ramsey. John immediately picked her up and took her upstairs, where he laid her beside the Christmas tree. Patsy cried out in hysterics, and this was another huge mistake of just a few that the officers have made. They allowed John Bonet's body to be moved, which is tampering with evidence. Which, being a mother myself, if I was to ever see my child that way, I would probably have done the same thing. I'm not saying that what he did was wrong, but in the long run, it kind of messes with the investigation. So now, we're going to get into some of the investigation. The Boulder Police Department was not used to this type of crime. When they first arrived at the scene, it was not treated as if it were a crime scene. There were no signs of forced entry, and there were no footprints in the snow. John Bonet had been strangled to death by a garrot. And if you don't know what a garrot is, and you want to know, it's easy to find. I don't suggest it. It's a very horrible, horrible way to strangle somebody. But this garrot had been fashioned from a broken art brush that was a part of Patsy's kit. She also had suffered a massive blow to the head by an unknown object. The evidence has shown that she was strangled 45 minutes to two hours after the blow to the head. John Bonet also showed signs of possible sexual abuse, and covering her mouth was a piece of duct tape. Found on the inside of that piece of duct tape were fibers from Patsy's Christmas sweater. And just as a reminder, Patsy was dressed in those same clothes. Now, as we get into the suspects, we have to start with John and Patsy almost immediately. From the start, they lawyered up and were not very cooperative. They each had to give handwriting samples. This was because they found out that the ransom note had been written on a legal pound pound, (laughs) pad found in their kitchen. This ransom note, as we know, was kind of all over the place, and it made very little sense. There were un... Or the there were multiple words misspelled. There was also quotes from the movies, and the killer knew the exact amount of John's Christmas bonus. From this hand from this handwriting analysis, John and Burke were completely ruled out, but Patsy was not able to be ruled out. Found sitting in the dining room, there was a bowl of pineapple and milk, which was John Bonet's favorite dessert. 
Also, not far away was a mag light that the Ramses claimed was not theirs. John Bonet's stomach contents showed that there was undigested pineapple, but the only fingerprints on the bowl were Patsy's and Burke's, which is strange because according to John and Patsy, they all went straight to bed when they arrived back home. The mag light is also thought to be the object that could have caused the massive blow to John Bonet. It was also strange that a mere hour after John Bonet was found, John was calling his pilot to take the family to Atlanta, Georgia. Later, John and Patsy would be indicted by a grand jury, where they were finally exonerated in 2008. Sadly, Patsy passed away on June 24th of 2006 after a very long battle with ovarian cancer and didn't make it to see the exoneration. Now, we have to talk about probably the most famous suspect and the only one who actually confessed. Mark Carr confessed to the murder of John Bonet in 2006. Carr had reached out to a University of Colorado Boulder professor named Michael Tracy. They exchanged emails for some time, and during this, Carr revealed a sexual fascination with John Bonet. Tracy reported Carr to the police. He was arrested in Thailand after fleeing the United States for child pornography charges. He was then flown to Boulder for qu- Boulder, Boulder <laughs> for questioning, but he was ultimately cleared by DNA. The next suspect is Gary Olivia. He was a 32-year-old known sex offender who had been living in the area during the killing. In 2000, Olivia was arrested on a drug charge. When officers searched him, they found a picture of John Bonet in his bag. But Olivia was also cleared by DNA. So next up, we have Michael Helgoth. Helgoth was 26 years old at the time and had been in a property dispute with the Ramses. He worked at a nearby salvage yard, so he was definitely in the area. Police also found a boot print at the scene of the crime that was similar to Helgoth's. Just one day after Helgoth found out he was a suspect, he committed suicide, but was ultimately cleared by DNA after his death. Now, there's the housekeeper. Her name was Linda Hoffman Pugh. Pugh was the Ramsey's housekeeper, and her husband was also their maintenance man. Patsy was who mentioned Pugh as a suspect. Patsy claimed that Pugh had asked for a hefty loan, which the Ramseys denied. Pugh and her husband both had a key and knew the layout of the home. Pugh had also voiced her suspicion of Patsy being the killer, but she was eliminated by DNA. Now to the suspect that everyone knows about, the town Santa Claus. Bill McReynolds had been hired by Patsy in both 1995 and 1996 to play Santa at the annual Christmas party. The party in 1996 was one week before Christmas, and at this party, they say that McReynolds paid a little too much attention to John Bonet. McReynolds even arranged an official meeting on Christmas with John Bonet. John Bonet had given him a vial of gold glitter at the party. And when McReynolds had heart surgery years after, he took it with him for good luck. McReynolds was also cleared and later passed away due to a heart attack in 2002. When he died, he had the glitter mixed with his ashes. So now that we are done with the suspects, who do you think done it? I still have my suspicions on a few different people. 
And one that I didn't quite mention because there's not a whole lot of evidence on it. But if you have questions about that, feel free to reach out. Now, for something fun at the end of each episode, I'm going to shout out a small business that is local to me in Southern Ohio, but also ships as well. First up, we have Neff's Barnwood Boutique, a little farmhouse shop located in Bainbridge, Ohio, and was and is owned by Jacob and Jessica Neff. They make custom farmhouse decor, all natural soy candles, and faux leather earrings. They ship items and will also do local deliveries. Their fall candle line will be launching in August, so find them on Facebook. And that one is very, very special to me because Jessica is my little cousin. Um, and I am so proud of her and the work that she and her husband do. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I have two signs by her <laughs> and I plan on having plenty more Miss Jessica, but this is a wrap on this episode and I hope to have another episode, maybe a mini episode, um, up this week and like maybe on Wednesday and then another full length and it'll be a deep dive episode. <laughs> Um, next Saturday. So until next time, this has been Ohio Crime Mom. Thanks.